today on the Self Smarter Podcast. There is no replacement for the feeling of freedom. Yeah. yeah. There's just no replacement. Feeling like, okay, I, no matter what's going to ha- like happens, I get to decide. Hi, we're Danelle and Megan, the hosts of this conversation-centric podcast for leaders seeking to be better every day. Whether you choose to be a leader in the workplace, at home, or in your community, we believe the most effective leaders are equipped to not only be self-starters, but self-smarter. Hello, and welcome to Self Smarter. I'm Megan, and this is my friend and co-host, Danelle. Hello, everyone. We have another guest in the house today, Miss Julie Harper. Welcome, Julie. We're so glad you're here. So we're gonna. I'm gonna ask you guys after we. I read her bio a little bit more about how you two met because I want to hear oh, that. That'll story. be a short story. I know, I know, but it's important. <laughs> yes, it's important. It is. But before that, let me introduce you to Miss Julie Harper. She is a writer, musician, and founder of online sisterhood I Am Her, and is currently based in Nashville, Tennessee, one of our favorite places. She is a divorced single mother of triplets, known for her authentic voice and fighting spirit. Although she claims not to be a writer, that's not a part of her bio, I just made that up. Listen to these words that Julie shared. She does claim not to be a writer. Mm -hmm. She said, even at rock bottom and the decade it's taken me to crawl my way out, I've always had big dreams and a vision for myself, for my children, and for women. And every dream that I have for us points to freedom. Freedom to choose. Freedom to create. Freedom to express who we are without selling out to those who choose to abuse their power. Freedom to leave or to stay without fear. Freedom to live on our own terms in every precious part of our lives and extend that freedom to every human being who doesn't have it yet. And I don't always know exactly how I'm going to do my part. I just know that I am somehow, some way, because I am, I am unwavering in my why. My why has always been freedom because without it, we have nothing. Freedom is my North Star. Now I'm in tears. Yes. Thank you, Julie. <laughs> I mean, the best bio ever. I mean, we're so, we get bios and we're like, oh, look at all the stuff and look at this I don't, track record and yours is all about the future and such a bright light. We're so happy you're here. So happy you're here. So happy to be here with you too. <laughs> How did you meet? Oh, you know, typical Danielle story. <laughs> I stalked her on Instagram. <laughs> so a mutual colleague of ours, mm-hmm. Katie, who I've spoken to uh, on, about on the podcast, yes. we need to have her on here. Yes. She's one of my coaches. And I, again, I have to go back to Katie, but she either, she, she either messaged me or when we were talking, somehow she recommended that I take a look at your work. And so I went to Instagram. And I would say that was probably, I don't know, a couple months ago. It's definitely been since I've been in New York. Okay. And then I just started to consume your your content. And it always stood out to me because in your bio, it, you had this songwriter, producer piece. Mm-hmm. And that always was something I was like, I can't wait to learn more about that because your work on Instagram is more about your ideals and and thoughts and messages that you want you're experiencing and that you want to share with other women and people in general quite frankly because I share it with both male and female but I just I just became enamored and do what I do I share it with everyone and become obnoxious it's like when I find a new artist or if one of my favorite artists comes out with a new album I'm Mm -hmm. I'm pretty relentless and no 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 I want to make sure everyone hears it and then I just reached out to you one day and was like, 
wanted to connect and we've just been trying to connect ever since and open an invite for you to come be with us here in New York and you graciously accepted and we had a wonderful dinner last night yeah, to learn more about you and cannot wait to share your story with our listeners and, and, and for the both of us and David who's here with us too to be continue to be inspired. And you definitely inspired my daughter last night. So I just appreciate that too. I I was going to say she's, it's like the first, I said the firstborns and only children are my favorite. And she's she's just like light years ahead of all of us. (laughs) She is. Well, for all of you listening, we're all uh, only children here around this table or firstborn. Yes. Yes. It's the best kind. Do you want to give a great gift to someone who's graduating from high school, college, or maybe even trade school soon? Guess what? At Self Smarter, we're giving away a free hour of coaching time with Danelle and the student of your choice. What a great opportunity for someone who's entering the workforce or starting on their next phase of development in their career to have an hour with Danelle. She's coached students for years, guys. And so this is a real opportunity for someone that you care about to reap the benefits of having just one hour with a business leader. We're giving away up to five hours. So hurry, go to selfsmarter.com, fill out the form. Jordan has it ready for you. And we'll be in contact to schedule your coaching session. In the quote that I just read in your bio, which is beautiful, and I can't believe you're, quote unquote, not a writer. Um, my you're, You have a beautiful story. And in the quote, you mentioned rock bottom. Explain to us what rock bottom looked like. And what you went through at that time. Yeah. Well, I think a little a little background just of, of how I grew up, how I ended up in that space. Um, I grew up in the Midwest, grew up in Minnesota, the oldest of five girls. Uh, my mom, my parents, everybody, my parents were married for 35 years. Um, so grew up in a very idyllic, I mean, the ch- my childhood was beautiful. So I, mm-hmm. I grew up very, uh, very family oriented, beautiful childhood, um, uh, grew up with, uh, you know, a Christian value based was kind of the idea. But what that turned into was a lot of legalism and a lot of judgment, just living in that culture, mm. purity culture, which is a big thing that I talk about, too, with mm. women. Just there there was a lot of there's a lot of women now um, that are my age. I'm in my 40s um, and uh, growing up with this purity culture. So that kind of was the basis. It was be a good girl. That right. was that was the prescription is is you use that word. Um, to just to be a good girl. And that is where it comes back to. So I, what I did, because I didn't understand my value, mm-hmm. like my my true just God-given value, it was tied to everything that I was doing and not doing. Okay. So it was no drugs, no sex, no fun, I guess. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no fun. Um, and if I do all these things yeah. the way that they have been prescribed, then yes. I am a good girl. Then I'm then everything's going to be good. Right. Like I'm going to be good. I'm going to get what I want. I'm going to have the best husband. I'm going to have the best life. I'm going to have the best family and kids. And all. I'm just going to repeat the cycle. Fairy tale. Yes. Fairy tale is the fairy tale. Um, so. So, yeah, I did all those things. And um, leading up to this rock bottom place in my life, you know, I had spent my whole life saying I would never be like her. I would never do that. I would never get divorced. I would never get divorced with kids. I would never have sex before I was married. I would never I would never do any of these things. Um, And it wasn't because I was a mean person. I just was judging people to gauge my own value. Oh, so I did a lot of perfecting. There's a lot of perfectionists out there. A lot of women I talk to that are um, that's, that struggle with that, that work really hard to perfect the image of their life, that's which right. is what I did. 
Um, and so that worked for a while. It worked for a while when it was just me and I could spend a lot of time getting ready. I could spend a t lot of time perfecting my body. Um, and then uh, fast forward, I uh, went to college, went to college for music um, and then got married right out of of college. I married the All-American Christian athlete, uh, the dream for my parents and played hockey. So from Minnesota, like it was just, you really don't get any better. Yeah. Yeah. All the boxes were checked. Yeah. And also I think too, I, I was hiding behind, and this isn't his fault. I was hiding behind his success. He knew where he was going. He knew where he was headed. I felt like I had zero life skills, didn't know what I was doing. I knew I was a creative person. I knew I loved music, but I didn't, I didn't have the skills and the independence to like really take care of myself. So I, I was very dependent on him for that. Um, so the next obvious step would be to start thinking about family. And I'm, you know, my, I was 27 at the time and my mom was like, your eggs are getting real old. So you better get on this. And now I look back, I'm like, oh my God, such a baby. Yeah. I'm like, I was a child, but whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so we started thinking about it, but I ended up getting pregnant, surprise pregnancy, and uh, went in uh, eight weeks to hear the heartbeat, and there were three heartbeats. So they told me I was pregnant with triplets, which I was like, I this is the wrong, you're, this is the wrong person for this job. <laughs> so, um, so that so that happened, and that really, even in that at that point, um, I was pretty arrogant about just. I was still working downtown. Like I was at least, I, like I was living my life. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be, my goal honestly was like, I'm going to be the hottest pregnant person with triplets that's ever lived, you know? <laughs> so I was working out and, and doing all that. And that all ended um, 18 weeks into my pregnancy. I went in for a, a just a regular visit. There were a lot of them. And uh, I was like, all right, we're good. Everything good. And they're like, nope, actually nothing is good. You are in labor. And at 18 weeks, at 18 weeks. So which, you know, anybody who pays attention to that, the timeline of pregnancy, that's not a good that's thing. Yeah. So so I was immediately I was rushed to the hospital in surgery and then on strict horizontal bed rest for the next couple of months. Um, and I truly at that time. There was, I, I mean, I was not feeling well. I was um, scared out of my mind. Like everything that I had controlled before, yeah. everything is out of control. My whole life was out of control. And I was not a happy pregnant person. Like I was very, I was scared and I was upset and I was crabby and I was, you know, in bed, like on my back and just staring out the window. Like I cannot even believe the rest of my life. Depression. Yes. yes. Um. So... So that was like the, I think that was the beginning of, um, you know, that wasn't necessarily the rock bottom, which I will get to, but that was the beginning of me losing all control of what I looked like. I mean, my, I, I, even just like skin and body. And it's just like these people just took over and I had no control. And so I, I started to meet myself in that. And, and initially I had avoided it. Um, because I could, I watched, you know, Bethany ever after or whatever, you know, was on Bravo at the time just to escape myself. Um, but that was the beginning of, of me realizing that I no longer had control over my life, that I was going to have to make room, um, for obviously three children that, you know, three other people, um, in a way, but when you have triplets, um, 
yet nothing, I had to grieve a lot of the dreams that I had about my perfect life. The perfect nursery. I didn't even have a nursery. We didn't have a nursery. There was no time for that. I couldn't decorate. I couldn't have baby showers. All the things that I had dreamed and felt like with God. And I had this reckoning where I was like, I have worked. I've done everything right. Mm -hmm. Everything right. And I'm not being rewarded. And I'm not being rewarded. Like, this is a total disaster. Like, this isn't what fair. your definition of reward was at this time absolutely. in your life. Absolutely. I've had stayed such a narrow context for what rewards look yes. like. And that's what happens to us. Yes. Because we're trying to see glory or, or again, like rewards through other people's expectations. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that is truly a reckoning. Yes. When it happens to you. And some, it depends on, for some, it never does happen for. Yes. But when it does, a lot of the times in the stories that I know that resonate with me, and of course, that's part of my story too, Yeah, is something has to happen to yes. literally smack you upside the yes. head. Yes. Yeah. And this was a big smack. It was, <laughs> it was a big smack. Like I, uh, yes. And realize, I think you realize how stubborn you actually are when you, when you know, God or the universe is like, I need to give you triplets to make you even pay attention. Yeah, pay attention. <laughs> um, so so that was a long and, and that road was a long road um, with the kids. And then they were born emergency, um, an emergency birth at 30 weeks and five days um, in I was in the hospital. I had been in and out of the hospital for a while. And so they were born surprise. I was watching HGTV at 10 o'clock at night and one of my waters broke. And I, the kids were born 30 minutes later. And oh. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was quite a, it was a very wow. dramatic, everything has been very, very dramatic. <laughs> yes. Three healthy children. Uh, three healthy children. They were born, they were all about two and a half pounds. Um, so just teeny tiny. And so we spent, we spent a couple of months in the NICU um, going back and forth. And um, they did not have a, a mother's word at that time when I was, when I had them, they do now, but so I was driving back and forth and it was just a really spent a lot of time alone, um, a lot of time in, you know, that that in and of itself wasn't necessarily rock bottom, but that was a a true crisis trauma. Um, sure. You know, at that point. Yeah, so it just it started to break me down and strip me down. Okay. Yeah. That was the beginning of that, that was the beginning. So. Um, so kind of, you know, make it through that, whatever that means. Um and then when my children were five, around five, I went through a divorce, an okay. unexpected, also unexpected um, ending of a marriage. I was a stay-at-home mom at the time. We were just coming out of that sort of pretty intense few years, you know, with... Of the development. Yeah. Of, catch up. Yes. Yeah. And three little kids and all of that. And uh, so, yeah, that that was the... That was the rock bottom and there were some it just got really messy and very unhealthy um between he and i and uh so that was the start so i, f I found myself a 33 um single mom of of triplets five-year-old triplets and we moved into an apartment uh, we had no furniture and that but i remember and you know that it was sort of an interesting when you ask about rock bottom i would say that was that was definitely the first rock bottom of like, oh, wow, we are, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was going to do for a career. You know, I was asking friends, like, I don't know, what do I do? Like sell cars, which is what I ended up doing. But anyway. So you were, yeah. so when the, the kids were born, now they're five. Yep. You did not work from. No. You. I was, was done. You, when you were pregnant. Yep. Because of everything you had to deal with. Yep. 
So and so you stayed home with the kids. They're five. Just for our listeners' yeah. perspective, they're 14 now. Yes. So yeah. five years old, divorce, mm-hmm. move into apartment. Yeah. And you're now literally searching for a career. And to remind our listeners, she studied music. Yes. As as what that's what you studied in yes. college. But yep. that was not something at the time that was even on your radar. No. You had tucked that far away. Tucked it far away. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So um so yes, apartment with uh three children. And I do remember a moment that was really important um to my story, um, which is I remember sitting uh, my kids we have had fifty fifty custody. And I remember sitting in my part in my apartment floor and did not have furniture. And so I was sitting there and I just remember feeling like I felt free. And 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 I I think freedom has been, as my bio says, has always been there's a sense of freedom within myself that I did not have. And and part of that is the conditioning. It's, you know, all of these expectations. But I remember sitting there saying, This is the this is the feeling that I've always wanted. And my life is shit you can take that out if you need to no um my life is shit we don't mind a little shit around here (laughs) but this is the there is no replacement for the feeling of freedom yeah yeah there's just no replacement feeling like okay i no matter what's gonna like happens i get to decide that's right that was a big that was a big realization for me and i and even you know it, it went against everything that i had believed before too which is like i need all of these comforts i need the perfect house i need you know i want to be in that specific neighborhood and my kids have to go to the school and i want to drive that car and i was like none of that matters none of it matters because if you don't have freedom you really do have nothing what you just said I, we need to bottle up and like sell it out into the universe because <laughs> it was so beautiful how you describe something that is, it's, I want to say in the conversations that I'm having now, it almost seems a bit taboo to talk about freedom in the way that you just explained it, especially for women and the conditioning. Yeah. I think conditioning is more of the taboo word. I think freedom sounds fantastic. And it, it, it reminds me of uh, an article that, and I know we're all Brene Brown mm-hmm. fans around here, but I want, I, yeah, I've pulled it up. I want to read it to you. I don't know, you may have, have read this before. Mm-mm. She's wrote this to herself about herself, and this was her recollection on a midlife crisis. So in this instance, we're not talking about a midlife crisis, but you are starting to describe the beginning mm-hmm. of you know, a crisis time for you because yes. of what was going on, the difficult pregnancy, yeah. and then the almost traumatic birth, mm-hmm. and then getting the kids to this place of now we're in the story, they're five, and but it still can be deemed as a crisis. And what she has, what she teaches in this this post is that midlife or in this instance, these aren't this what crisis is acute. It comes mm-hmm. and it goes. Yeah. So part of what you experienced was indeed crisis in your yeah. life, but the rest of it was more of what she calls an unraveling. Mm-hmm. And yes. what you are describing is the unraveling. And I just want to read a little bit to to you both and our listeners. And she says this, and I hope I can get through this without crying because I haven't read this in a while, but y'all need to know that this has been an anthem for me, is that midlife is when the universe gently places her hands upon your shoulders, pulls you close, and whispers in your ear, I'm not screwing around. All of this pretending and performing, these coping mechanisms that you've developed to protect yourself from feeling inadequate and getting hurt, 
has to go. Your armor is preventing you from growing into your gifts. I understand that you needed these protections when you were small. I understand that you believed your armor could help you secure all the things you needed to feel worthy and lovable, but you're still searching and you are more lost than ever. Time is growing short. There are, un there are unexplored adventures ahead of you. You can't live the rest of your life worried about what other people think. You were born worthy of love and belonging. Courage and daring are coursing through your veins. You were made to live and love with your whole heart. It's time to show up and be seen. And there's so much, there's more to it. It's just so good, but that's what's resonating with me is this is the beginning of your unraveling what you knew, what you were conditioned yeah. to believe, what you th thought is yeah. this ideal scenario. So yeah. all the while you probably feel like a failure. Oh yeah, God, yeah. I thought I was only failure. failure. Yeah, there was no, there was no success. Mm -hmm. There was no feeling of that. Yeah, and seeing yourself as a person who could weather this, mm -hmm. like you were almost discounting how strong you yeah. were. And so, in this moment, let's get catch you back. We kind of veered off there for a minute, but you're sitting on the couch. You feel this freedom. There was no couch. Was oh, there was no. <laughs> In my head, there was a couch. I thought that there should have been a couch. Okay. <laughs> We're on the floor. Yes. <laughs> on the floor. Okay. Yeah. On the floor. That's okay. So that paints an even more vivid picture of where you were at this time. All right. Tell us more. Yeah. So I just remember sitting there saying, this is what I've always wanted. It is just me. I'm not answering to anybody. Nobody's telling me what to do or how to be or what. And that was that was the moment of that where I was like this doesn't make sense this doesn't make sense with anything that I knew before anything I had worked for all of this time 33 years this doesn't make sense and but it did it started to and there is an unraveling I mean that is the perfect word and it's I mean it's like a spiraling I mine was more of a unraveling sounds very beautiful and it <laughs> um mine was like a flailing spiraling <laughs> just like it was not it was chaos not, out of yeah control, yeah a lot of chaos um and so I think that you know getting to that point I actually thought that was the bottom and it wasn't um so I think one thing and and I've done a lot of work around trauma and what that is and living in survival mode. So I work with a lot of women who live in survival a lot longer than they realize. And, you know, it's meant to be for a time. It's meant to help you survive through something, through a crisis. Mm -hmm. But a lot of women stay there. A lot of us stay there because of circumstances and, and you know, all of that. But so what happened for me was pretty soon pretty shortly after about a year a, a year I think a year into my divorce um all of that caught up like all the trauma and stuff that I had not dealt with the unaddressed trauma um started to compound itself and I just started to not function well like I wasn't able to process you know it was like the kids and then we had a, a breath and then it was the divorce and those two events, which lasted, you know, a solid, I mean, I would say six years, ultimately, like never quite came out of that, just compounded. And I just wasn't functioning well. I didn't know what I was going to do. I still didn't know what I was going to do. I had some job that I hated. Um, and I just started to sink. And 
and I wasn't, yeah, I guess I was start, started to sink. And then uh, one thing led to another and I was living, my parents sold the house that I had grown up in. My parents went through a divorce at the same time. So that was like another added piece um, of all of this. And they were dealing with their own stuff, focused on that. My sisters were dealing with that. Um, and that was a very dramatic situation. And I was sort of just by, I was kind of on my own and it wasn't because anybody was trying to, it was just, there wasn't enough time or energy or whatever focus. So I ended up homeless, which is, you know, I'll spare everyone the details of that. Um, nobody knew except for my ex-husband. And so I would drop the kids off at night and they would sleep there. And then I would go sleep. Um, I shared my nights between a Homewood Suites parking lot and a Doubletree parking lot in Minnesota and uh, and was on food stamps. And there's actually a, a story that I wanted to share, which I did not share with you, but I feel like it captures what I am her is. So spent my whole life saying I would never be like her, never be like her. And I remember driving the morning that I went to get food stamps and I didn't know that they, I had no idea. I mean, I grew up in an affluent community, which is just the whole kind of wild piece of this. Um, so I didn't know if they were actual stamps. Like I was like, I don't even know what a food stamp is. I don't know where to get them. So I'm Googling. So I find a place and I'm like, well, I'm going to go early because I don't want anyone to see me. I was embarrassed, humiliated. So I remember pulling up to this stop sign. Nobody's around. Um, it's early in the morning. And out of nowhere, this woman comes to my left and she signals for me to roll down my window. And <clears throat> I roll down my window and this story makes me cry because I haven't told it in a long time, but I rolled down my window and she said, hey, I just, I, I'm, I'm looking for help. And I was like, okay. She said, I, I went, I tried to go get food stamps and I couldn't get food stamps. We were right around the corner. She said, I'm a mother of three trying to get across town and she said um she had a very specific number she said I need $20 and I knew that I only had $20 left in my purse and so it was like a moment that I had like with God the universe her and I was like for the first time truly I was like I am her I'm a mother of three we're both trying to get food stamps. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get food stamps. And she just asked me for literally everything that I have. And so I had sort of this and I and so I knew like right then and there I was like, God, I don't know where the hell you are, what's happening, but I have nothing left. Like I'm at that is the I'm at the bottom of the bottom and I took it out of my purse and I gave it to her and I was like it can't get any worse. So like, what are we going to do here? And so that was, I think, my ultimate was rock bottom, but it was also a surrender. Like I just had not surrendered and I was still holding on to so much. And um, and that was that was the beginning, I feel like, of my climb out was just that moment. And, you know, it sounds like like a cute story now, but like at the time I was like, I could be like. I'm going to give it to her. And I know like in my heart, I knew that was the right thing. But I also have three kids and I'm like, I don't like what is this the most irresponsible thing I'm doing as a mom, like giving it. And at that point, I just did not I didn't care. And it was right. it was so that was a really important moment for me. Okay. That was a yeah. So suddenly in that moment, you know, you you talked about earlier, I you know, you were 
I'm just going to back up on the perfectionism yeah. because the perfectionism is falling apart. Yeah. And you had compared yourself to so many women yeah. over your lifetime. I am not, I would never do that. Yeah. I would never be like her. You've gotten a divorce. So you're like that woman that you said you would never be like. You have gotten pregnant and are happy about it, but scared shitless. Yeah. <laughs> so you're that woman now. Yeah. Um, you have had to move into an apartment with no furniture. There, now you're that person. You're the daughter. You don't, the daughter's parents are failing. Their marriage is failing. So that's not perfect. So all these things started to unravel. And then this woman enters your life and you think, I am her. Now, where are we with I am her? Yeah. Well, this whole time I was writing, I am her. Okay. I was writing and had, um, and I guess that's sort of, I I didn't even, we didn't really mention that. I didn't mention that, um, you know, as I was going through my divorce, which was fairly, I mean, it was around that time, um, I was just seeking any sort of guidance, any sort of, you know, it was a spiritual awakening, spiraling, flailing, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I was reading a lot of books and I was trying to just heal and Instagram, I'm sure it started before then, but that was the first time I was on Instagram. And so I told my mom and one of my sisters, I was like, I have no followers. So you both need to follow me because I'm going to say stuff and I need you to like respond to yeah. me and like, let me know what you're thinking. So, um, so that was it. I had like two followers at the time and was writing like even at night when I was in my car, I was like writing and processing what I was learning and how I was healing and I was devouring. I mean, you used that word last night about devouring books, but that is what it, that's what I was doing. I didn't have TV at the time, which was a great break because um, I couldn't afford it. But um, so I started reading books and that was at 30. I mean, it was at 33 is when I started reading books and writing. Okay. And, and the thing that you said to me stood out last night about your writing is that you've never sat down and said, okay, for the next two hours, I'm going to write. No. It comes to you in a very different way. Mm -hmm. It comes to you in other moments. So yes. it's not an intention. It's not an intentional thing for you. No. It's no. something that you, I love your word, you surrendered yeah. to, okay, these are the things that I need to literally survive this time. Yeah. And obviously taking care of your kids, yep. figuring out how to make ends meet yep. on a daily basis. Yes. I'm sure that was the story yes. for a while. Yeah. And then now it's like, I'm going to read. I'm going to read different things. Mm -hmm. Is Were you deciding to choose to read things that opened your mind in a different way? Or were you going to familiar readings at this time? No. Well, there were no familiar readings because I wasn't reading anything. I've never read any books. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and I for sure had those five years just because, you know, it was just so busy. But um, but yeah, I just started reading. I mean, a lot of the Brene was introduced to me around that time. I mean, I just started. What's your first Brene book that you read? I was daring great lately. Yeah. And then I went to the gifts of imperfect, you know, and then all of them. So, okay. <laughs> what was the last one you read? Was it Atlas? Oh, yeah. Okay. We read it as a company. Oh, we you did? did. Oh, we've done a whole episode. It's one of our first episodes. You'll have to go back and listen to it. We're big okay. fans. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I and mean, that's, that's a, that's a book that takes you a while to. It's a monster. Oh, I am. You have to like paw. You cannot. No, it's, it's not an no. easy read. No, no, no. no. Process it. No. It's like reading a, a dictionary or an encyclopedia. Yes, it is. Of it emotionally totally is. is. Yeah. Yeah. But I had read Daring Greatly through a very difficult time in my life that coincided actually with the 26% approval rating that's the catalyst for this podcast. But, and then she had already read Gifts of Imperfection. So 
Okay. We had we oh, you we fell in we we fell hard for Brene. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yes, it's hard not. To. It's hard not to. Yeah, and yeah. Okay. Well, I was gonna say so for those of you listening, and you're like, tell me more about I am her. Julie is on Instagram, creating passages, words mm-hmm. of wisdom, words of just kind of fact. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know that there's a lot of opinion there. It's it's she's not offering you an opinion. She's offering you words of wisdom. Where are those where are those words coming from? I mean, I think so that's a great question. Sometimes I wonder I actually often wonder the same thing where they are coming from. Um, you know, I had initially started when I would hear something like, you know, when you start seeking, you hear other people that say things and you're like, "Yes, that's what I needed to hear on this day." Um, I had a handful of people that I did that with and I started put, but then after a while as I was reading, I was like, you know, I love what they said, but I would say it maybe a different way. And then I just started to like go off on my own and create. And you know, I was learning more about myself and uh, learning about what that alignment with yourself looks like and feels like. And that started to come out. I started to write my own stuff. And I look back at the stuff I wrote like six years ago and I'm mortified. I'm like, this is tra- this is trash. I mean, it's how I felt, but it was not good writing. Um, but as I started to do more and more of my own, um, just reading and listening to other people and then feeling what resonates with me and then just, I don't know, I just started to find my voice in that. Um, I don't even know if that was the Yeah, question, no, that's good. Yeah. I mean, it's coming up out of a deep place. Yeah. And what I'm hearing you say, I think, is it's coming from a place of empathy. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Like connection and empathy you're 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 gathering. Of course you're pulling from your own experiences, but you're mm-hmm. also pulling in from other people's experiences. Yes. Yeah. And then now you have over twelve thousand something followers. And so now I'm I'm curious, is obviously it was coming to you in a time that you needed it to he- mm-hmm. heal yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, wait a minute, I'm just gonna write to do that. And yeah. now you're you found your way to like I, I can use my words yeah to share as well mm-hmm. so is obviously you've been you started your instagram you said 10 years ago no like probably se- like around seven. Oh, so seven years ago that's so seven you've just been growing it organically like very organically this is just something you're yeah. putting out into the world and if it helps people great yes so when you started the instagram you had a job you didn't like mm-hmm. But this was the beginning. So how have you been able to transition from work you don't like yeah. to work that you love in speaking specifically around I am her? Because then we want to transition to the other things you have going on in your career. Yeah. We can't wait to talk about. Well, I mean, I think it's like anything. I feel like there has been this. My life has been guided in this way. You know, again, never thought I would be a writer, non-writer. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> I just it was all it's all been just a way to express myself. So what what really happened when it turned into because it my my it has turned into coaching and speaking yeah. and, and stuff. And I've done that again. It's been opportunities that have come to me. But the first time I, I had a woman um, in Minneapolis, she was the global HR director for General Mills, which is a, mm-hmm. a larger company in Minneapolis. And she she asked me to do an event. And she said, would you do like an I am her event at my house? And I said, yeah. So we were friends and she invited 60 women and she said, will you speak? And I I had never spoken anywhere. And I was like, "Okay." so I like created this I am her video. I don't even know how I did it, but I did. And I got up and I shared this video and I spoke to these women. And I'm really, really, really glad I did not know who was in the room because it was 
some they were all very powerful women mm -hmm. but they were all these executives from all these like large companies that i'm i would never have having known that i would have been very intimidated um but i spoke we had one of the most incredible nights of my life it was not focused on business it was focused on like women getting up and being super vulnerable and and which is what i i sort of led that night that way and afterwards one of the one of the women came up and she said um you know i've i've what you have to say really resonates would you be interested in coaching me and i said well i'm not a coach and she's like well let's just see like, <laughs> yeah. so so we had we set up a, a time i didn't charge her anything so i was like i wouldn't even know what to charge i don't know what coaches charge um and we sat down for 90 minutes and she said, I got more out of this 90 minutes than I have in the last 10 years of therapy. Can I hire you? And that was the beginning of it. And then it just grew from there. Um, and so now, yeah, I have a client. So I've reluctantly have been a coach. Like even the word is like, I don't, yeah. it doesn't, I wish there was another word. Like I wish there was for divorce. Yes. I wish there was a different word. Yes. Um, but that. yeah, so it's all been very organic, which has felt good to me because I need, it need, I think it needed to happen that way. Yeah. So I, I am her then. Yes. The Instagram following, mm -hmm. the you sharing, and and then now coaching mm -hmm. and speaking. So that's the gen. That's pretty much make what makes up I am her. Yeah. And you call it a online sisterhood. Yeah. It's yeah. my. It's a sisterhood. Yeah. yeah. Which is beautiful. And so, along those lines, I before we, I don't want to get off of I am her just quite yet. So in reading her, your works, you are a mother of triplets, mm -hmm. two boys. Yep. And one daughter. Yeah. And so their names are Easton Griffin and Isla. Yes. Yeah. So you wrote a post. And I don't even know if I won't read it all, but I just have to share this because it's my favorite thing you've ever written. And I've been following you like, I mean, it's been at least five months that I've been following and to go to my saves. So Julie, this is from April 18th. So recently, mm -hmm. and it the post says your starts off. Your daughter is watching you. Let her see you. Let her see you real, so she knows what real looks like. Let her see you imperfect, so she knows she doesn't have to be. Let her see you fight for the things you love, so she knows what it takes to fight for what she loves. Awaken yourself and why you are here, so she has a map. You go on to say. Let her see you. Let her see you struggle so that she knows that struggle isn't the end. Talk about it so she isn't left in the dark years from now alone and shocked by her own struggle. So she knows that struggle is just the beginning of power, true power, your power, her power, and that power can never be crushed by any past, present, or future circumstance. So... This post has much more richness to it, but I can't tell you how many times I have read that and shared it. So there's a lot of people out there that have that. And I have so much respect for you. And that would, by the way, that would have been helpful 10, 20 years ago yeah. for, for moi. For, um, because, for all yeah. <laughs> because it's, it's, we're so afraid to show the struggle. And, you know, I've shared a little bit about what I've been through the last two years with you and certainly with our listeners on previous episodes. And it is, it's like surrendering to the fact that, yep, I'm struggling. Yeah, yeah. I am. I'm not in a little bit of therapy. I'm in a lot of yes. therapy. And 
it is still so different for me to just be okay with it. But the one area where I know, besides, you know, maybe my relationship with Megan and a few other very close people in my life, it's with my daughter. Yeah. And I remember as I've been making some of these changes in my life, her response to me is, a, you, you met her last night, a very yeah. mature 20, 22, about to be 23-year-old, saying, "It. I wish you would have let me know sooner, yeah. Mom, that you were struggling with this, or yeah. Mom, that you had these thoughts, or Mom, that this was going on. It wasn't, oh, I'm upset because things are changing in the dynamic of our life, or for you, that I'm not used to. Yep. But it's more like, I just wish you could have shared that with me sooner and so of course my daughter is an adult Mm -hmm. but you're speaking to all of us out there who have access and believe me i sent this to men too because i don't think we need to show we need Mm -hmm. to be human yes who are okay with imperfection Mm -hmm. yep and who are okay with yeah this is just a really tough time yeah i don't have the answers it's no different what we preach on here about being good leaders right good leaders stand up in front of a company and say for instance there's going to be a change Yes. Here's what it is. Yep. Where we sometimes fall short is why it's important. Yeah. But it's no different in our personal lives, whether that's with friends or with our children. And what you're you're encouraging us to do is we have to expose. I don't know if the word is exposed, so y'all help me out. But it's like mm-hmm. we have to open ourselves up to struggle so that people can see what it looks like to acknowledge it, go yeah. through it, and then come through it yeah you know go on the other side it's okay to it's struggle. it's okay to yes. struggle and you know again I've, I've got a good 10 plus years on you but we're still from a generation especially yes. the way you describe the way you were raised and you know Megan and I have a lot of similarities to that as well is that it just wasn't okay and I, I yeah. look back at you know at our at our parents or the people that molded us they sure as hell didn't have mm-hmm. a permission sh- no slip no. at all to struggle. We don't talk about that. No, those things. Things like you, that's, and you know, the I, don't, I don't know if what they said in Minnesota, but I can tell you in Texas where we're from, it's like, pull your big girl panties up. Oh, yeah. Get on with it. Put put on some yeah. lipstick and move move forward. And so it, I think Miranda Lambert wrote a song about that, which we're yeah. going to talk a lot about music in a minute. But it it is that. And so when I read that from you, and I just applaud that you're, you're saying as, human leaders, leaders of our own lives, mm-hmm. leaders to others, in this case, parents, yeah. to welcome this, show them what's real yes. and struggle. And so I know, I think I have an opportunity to do that with a 22-year-old, mm-hmm. but speaking to those who have teenagers or younger children, what does that look like in your, in, in your mind? Because it's different you talking to your 14-year-old and me talking to my yeah. adult. 22 yeah (laughs) yeah well I think it was you know one thing that's been really important to me which my mom and I have talked about because she lived you know and not that she was unhappy but she lived through a lot of um you know she kept a lot of things together for (laughs) 35 years right so that's when she got she got divorced we actually my parents and I got divorced one day apart uh, which was just a wild experience but um you know what we've talked about she and I've talked about is all those years that I was watching and experiencing, like I was taking in a lot of good, but also I repeated what she did. 
So I just, I, I looked at my mom and I was like, well, she's happy, I think. This is what happy people do. You follow this path. So I did without ever checking in with myself and what I really wanted or who I was, you know. So she and I have had really good conversations about that. So what I say, you know, especially with young kids, particularly with divorce, is like don't use the most precious years you have with them modeling for them what is fake, what isn't real, because that is what they're going to take in. That's what they're going to repeat, whether they want to or not, whether it's it's not conscious. Mm. It's like a subconscious. They're just soaking it all up. And then that becomes their familiar. And that's what they do. And I think it's so easy, especially when you're coming from a place of your mom was probably very successful at whatever her endeavors were, whether it's raising the five kids and being the wife and taking care of the home. And if she worked outside of the home, my guess is she was by all you know, I guess standard, she had it together, like yeah. you said, and she was yeah. successful. Same with you. Yeah. And then it's like, wait a minute. This, the, and that's what Brene talks about is like, we're covering up yeah. what's really going on. And if, you know, there's still a flame down there and eventually it becomes boiling water. Yeah. You know, and it's going to, you're going to have to reckon with it anyway. Yeah. So I think what Brene's inviting us to do, I think what you're inviting us to do is to, welcome that in and start to get to know ourselves yes sooner than later yes and i wouldn't i would tell you that i knew exactly who i was relative to work ethic mm-hmm. I, I learned to be a mom and a working mom like i lo- like i learned not and just to be a working mom i learned those things but then when it came to how i was really showing up as as a person well first of all i didn't i i didn't know who i was fully and tr- truly, I just knew professional Danelle, mm-hmm. and then again, mom and wife. Like I, I had all these other roles. It was almost as if it was on cruise control. Yeah, these other areas, and so because I had come from you know modest means growing up in the country town, and went and got the education, and found my way to early, early super success in my career, and then started this company, you know, before I was thirty years old, and. And again, it just, everything was lining up mm-hmm. <laughs> compared to others. So yeah. you were looking at others like, I'm never going to be her. Yeah. And I was looking at others going, I, I don't want to be that. Like, yes. I don't want to be stuck. I don't want to be, uh, you know, I want to have my own means of financial yes. survival. Like I had these other things going on, but it, it, we ended up in the same place. Yeah. So for imprisonment, because yes, it's, an totally. I- it's an ideology that, you either are going to manifest or you're not, and you're going to have help from the universe or people around you or not. And so it's kind of 50-50. Is it going to work out yeah. for you, that that goal, you know? Yes. I see this struggle right now with new moms coming back to work at, at our business. Mm. And they, they've asked me, they're like, you know, I wish you would have told me. You know, I'm like, well, how do you, <laughs> how do you tell somebody? I think the thing to remember is this. We want the best out of life. Yeah. And whatever you grow up thinking is the best is what you're going to go after until you no longer can. Yeah. Something gets in your way, you stop yourself or circumstances happen that keep you from being able to do that. Or just interrupt you. You have a blessing that opened your eyes eyes. before it's it's something, again, crisis related. Yeah. But I'm watching these women repeat patterns that scare me because I see them trying to do it all. 
because that's what they think they're supposed to do. And like, they're like, I can do it all, right? Not every Not all at the same time. Not all the time. No, not at the same time. Going to have to sacrifice Mm -hmm. your sleep, your sanity, your job, your marriage, like your friendships, like all these things. And that's the talk about balance. Which is bullshit. Because baloney, Mm -hmm. because it's all on you. And that's the hardest part. So the freedom, it's so interesting because you you put yourself in the prison Mm -hmm. of the mindset until you just can't take the prison anymore. And then the freedom comes in the window. Yes. Through a light. And then you're like, get me out. Yes. Of my own cell. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's I mean, there's no other way to say that. That's you said it perfectly. Get me out. And so. Are you going through this, listeners? Is there any truth to this? I mean, I'm. this is certainly resonating with me. In fact, I was going to say when you were reading the Brene Unraveling, you could have not told us who that was, and I would have guessed that Julie wrote it. Oh. Like, she's, she That's writes <laughs> yeah. in this way that isn't pointing any fingers at you. It's not offering you direct advice. It's just thought processes that maybe we all think in the dark. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we all think inside of ourselves that we are ashamed of. Mm-hmm. What's we interesting. don't have to be anymore. No. Right. That's beautiful. And what's interesting is I share this, your stuff, and sometimes I get back, okay, she was just listening to, like, she's <laughs> literally in my house. She's, yeah, she was listening to our conversation yesterday. And so, and I, and, and what that is, is that, and again, I can't wait for our, our listeners to become, you know, familiar with yes. your work. Is that you, I almost sometimes feel like you're talking to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm assuming you are. Yeah. Like you're writing for yourself as much as you're writing for others. Yeah. Because it feels like a friend is yes a, a much more well-written friend. Like you're, yeah. you're a lot more talented. But it does feel like things that I can completely understand and relate to. And I know we have, a, at this table, we have a shared liking for Glennon Doyle and we yeah. listen to her and Abby's podcast we can do hard things and but yet I think Glennon is an incredible writer mm-hmm. untamed yeah had a huge you know had a huge imprint on my journey yeah and yet when I listen to Glennon or I read her it's still someone else's talk like it I don't res it does not completely I don't completely resonate with it yeah I'm inspired by it yes I'm validated by it mm-hmm. I'm challenged by it because she's does definitely doesn't think the way that I do but yeah. I in terms of the way she processes things but at the same time I gain from her but with your writing and that's why we can't wait to be a part of your future journey as well as you expand this talent of yours into music which I can't wait to talk about is I think the gift that you possess, whether you stumbled upon it or whatever, is this ability to be so approachable and inviting that it's, I, I, I can't wait, I mean, for for it to come. And there's few people that I follow on a weekly basis, and Seth Godin's one of them. Oh, so yeah. the morning newsletter, I've been following that for over 15 years, yeah. read every single he one of them. He also reads and listens to our conversation. He does. Yeah. He does. And he's talking about some interesting cool. things right now. But most yeah. of the time, Seth is guiding us yeah. and has as we've grown this company the last 19 years. And I look, James Clear comes on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. newsletter brings me up. And then Kristen Hadid, who we 
just recently had on a good friend, an author friend of ours. By the way, she's become a fan of yours. Oh, yeah, we introduced her. That's, yeah. I just heard, I just saw that her name pop up, so I'm yeah. going to follow her too. Yeah, she's great. But it's, and she comes out, her, her posts come out on Tuesday. But my whole point is I find myself gravitating towards thought leaders and mm-hmm. thought sharers mm-hmm. and people that I believe have been in it mm-hmm. are still in it. Yeah. But are sharing along the way. It's like yes. this, it's not like they're at the end of a road. And they've been through it. Now they're just telling us how it went and how uh, we could potentially get there. I don't feel that with your work. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a different type of leadership. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what we talk about on on our podcast is moments when people become self-smarter. Yeah. And to to me, and and Meg, you can certainly share your thoughts, but I, I feel like you had a choice. You didn't have to choose freedom. I mean, maybe you didn't get a choice with divorce, but you could have sat in that yeah. stew. Oh, for sure. For a long time. And there probably wouldn't be many people that would blame you. Yeah. The deck of cards were tough. Yeah, yeah. 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 What wasn't ideal. Mm-hmm. And yet you decided to do something constructive with it. And I think we need more people who are willing to do that, mm-hmm. even if they can't even identify their talent. Yeah. And you are one of those people. So thank you for just all of what you're doing with I Am Her. And so now I think, I don't know if you have any words because I... Yeah, I was going to just say, I can't believe, like I'm sitting here and here we are in New York City and I'm looking at the view behind you as you're talking and I can't believe how surreal this is. Yeah. And the the thing that really is just hanging over me right now is I can't believe it's taken people this long to be this honored. I know. I can't believe it's taken women this long to just tell the truth. Yep. What? I know. We could, can I challenge that for a second? Yeah. I, is it because they, like, telling the truth? Of course we were telling the truth. We weren't lying in our life. It was, it wasn't like it was, and I know you're not suggesting that yeah. at all, but it's like, if you don't know, if you don't understand how to process to yourself. know yourself, yeah. yeah, and to spend the time not being told to you that it, You're it's right. I'm 2023. Yeah. And these are the first time, like some of the things that she's talking about, it's the first time I've ever thought about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when is it going to be, when is that just going to be natural, this way of, of thinking? I, we're on our, I think we're, we're on, on our, our way. way. But I don't think it could have happened before now. Uh-huh. Like from a global perspective, Agreed. historically, like all of it culminated to this and just the spread of information. Like That's we right. didn't, Social media, people can say all they want and there's, you know, but it has been a beautiful, if you use it for good, it is, you know, it's like anything else we could turn it into trash. But no, I don't think it could have happened before then. And I do think too, our specific generation and I work with a lot of women between the ages of like, we'll just, I'll just say, we'll just say 40 to 55, 35 to 55. We are the bridge from the old to the new. We are. We are the ones that are like, okay cut we this isn't working what okay. is what is this and now it's like an it becomes undeniable but i really do think that we are the bridge from the old to the new it isn't our moms couldn't have done it no. yeah agreed it just wasn't i mean and not that some weren't i mean there are there are these movements you know feminism and all of this like there have been movements that were started many you know so long ago mm-hmm. um and i just feel like we're carrying the baton you know we're picking up the baton and, carrying it. and i think our like 
our role. And I love the way you describe that. It's like there are feminism, yes, but I think what we're representing is some of those teachings and some of those learning. Hold, really, this is just humanisms. If that's yes. not a word, grammar. I mean, we can make it. Right. Okay. Make it. Totally. You're going to make it a word. Jordan's right now. rolling her eyes right now. Going, Let's edit that out. <laughs> um, but, but it is. It's about being more human. Yes. And so to me, a lot of what I read in your work and a lot of what I've learned, I'm learning from you, I just don't find it to be super gender specific. No. Even though sometimes it is written to a woman in reference to being a mom. Yeah. It's still, it's so applicable. And I think we need, I do believe as, especially women in leadership roles, again, that doesn't have to be within a work confinement that could be in a church. whatever, your bridge club, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I do believe we are m- moving in a, in a more collective yeah, space because there is so much more reference points. It's not just the few that we had, just the Gloria Steinitz yeah. or the Pima Chodron, depending on which yep. spectrum you were, you know, where you needed to find confidence mm-hmm. or inspiration. So if that's the case, it's, what is the excuse and what Megan and I have this conversation all the time, especially as I'm building new community in New York and new, new relationships in my life. And I'm seeking deeper connections. It's like, I, I've kind of become a little bit difficult relative to who I want to connect with. And it's not because I'm not friendly and can't meet a stranger. I mean, I'll call her any given night. Yeah. I just met 10 people and she's like, okay, goodness gracious how many of her coming on the podcast you know yeah typical danelle i'm a yeah. seven on the enneagram and we think you are too oh which my god yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. she's taken the test twice she yes she's one of those <laughs> which is totally normal and but it's i i'm a lot more selective because yes i want to talk about these things right yes. i want to know right off the bat where you stand <laughs> not just what's great that you do all those things what the hell is keeping you up at night it's like i care deeply about that because nine times out of ten i've either already experienced it especially at 51 yep i i am experiencing it or maybe i don't want to experience it Mm -hmm. so i can learn from you and that that's what i want the basis of the connections that i make with this quote unquote large definition of friends yes and so I just think I love what you're saying. It is up to us. And so I think sharing and and, and, and being vulnerable enough to, A, tell a story, yep. share it, and then find different ways that we can use our talents to elevate those stories. As always, you can connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Self Smarter Podcasts. You can also leave a rating or review if you enjoyed what you heard today. Not only does this mean so much to us, but it also helps other leaders and future leaders find our community. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us in becoming self-smarter. This podcast is produced by Snacks Media and music is from a free platform. Well, that is until Brandy Carlisle reaches out to us to write the original score for our podcast. Friends, have a great rest of your day.